the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into hour two. It is a delight to welcome back the chairman of the House of Representatives Freedom Caucus. He represents Arizona's fighting 5th Congressional District. He's Andy Biggs. I have a favor to ask you, Andy. We can't wait for you on Thursdays anymore. This week was too hard. We needed you earlier. (laughs) We need you earlier than Thursday. We've had to suffer a lot this week, Andy. I hear you. It's been a it's been a wild and rough week in Washington D.C. as well. Uh, you know, Seth, when we start thinking about how some of the stuff that's gone on in Washington D.C. <laughs> in, in the last twenty four hours alone, it becomes bizarro. I had a listener earlier in the show last hour, Andy, and he said, uh, "I think he said I'm I'm not a young man, but I've never I've never in memory ever heard a president of the United States threaten his own people." Yesterday, the president said, <laughs> after botching a Jefferson quote, he had no business getting into. That's a quote you don't want to play much. It's not a. It's not a quote you you, you throw around lightly. You know what I'm talking about. And then he said, if you yes, want it, I or do. if you think you need to have weapons to take on the government, you need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. This is the president who's uh, trying to go after our crime wave and uh, have uh, more peace in America. He is the unifying yeah. president. Yeah. Isn't he? Uh, you know, we're, we're going to have unity here. Um, the only thing I see more and more is is division in this country because uh, he is no leader. He doesn't understand. I think cognitively, I think it, I think that's a prime example of someone who's cognitively challenged. Um, he's not the the you know guy that says uh, he's just an old grandpa Joe thing. He says things that are far more dangerous than a mean tweet. Yeah. And uh, uh, these things that he's promoting uh, are terrible. And uh, I, I, I just, I'm just prayerful and hopeful, and I'm working, and I know all you are and a lot of people are, that we can uh, last, that this country can last beyond this uh, bad administration. It's going to be an interesting exercise and experiment how much this country can take. We go through a lot. I'm remembering that, that great song, Ragged Old Flag by Johnny Cash. We've been through a lot, but this is a new level. And now add, now, now add Marxist-Leninism as a philosophy backstopping the rest of the party that has the president in its power. When you have that yeah. as the backstop... And you have what is clearly, I was saying to another listener, Andy, see if you agree or not, this issue of cognition. Um, It's not as if I don't think the Democrats are unaware of this. I think everyone knows it. I think it's a big, bad joke. It's just they're willing to live with it and cover it up because of the progressive policies it brings. And we're all the more scary because we think we're going on some kind of uh, some kind of full speed ahead to an iceberg. Right. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think. These uh, my, 
the people across the aisle the, in Congress, I think the people who are in the left that pay attention, they know that 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 Joe Biden is not running this government. Yeah. It, there's you've got Obama's got some shadow government in there. You got Ron Klain, who's basically the chief of staff, who's running some things. You've got it looks like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer uh, are, are are pulling some strings. Uh, there's got to be some money folks in there that are that are probably um, uh, highly influential as well, in my opinion. So it's kind of a, uh, this loose oligarch that's running. Now, when you have a loose oligarch, that means you have a vacuum of leadership. And uh, and that means that you really don't get any policy done. You can't, you can't run a government. You can't govern a country. And so they're not governing this country. Um, to the extent that they want to get something done, they're trying to force it. They're trying to force it. So, so he's, you know, his team is issuing all these executive orders, trying to force those policies out. In Congress, in the House, they're they're changing the rules and changing traditions. They're trying to force the House because uh, a vacuum of leadership will almost always lead to uh, an exhibition of force, and they don't have leadership and they can't govern. So they now will try to dictate and control. And that's what we're seeing. I think you're right. And I think part of this explains why, and maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way, maybe people should look at it the other way around and look at the evidence all around them. If you see a cabinet member interviewed, I saw the Secretary of Education earlier, you see this with Mayorkas, they don't have a lot of good answers and often will say, I don't know about a major policy issue. It's not as if they're running things. I think they're in the dark, too. And I can't tell you you're closer than I am, but I can't tell you that Kamala Harris's office is or isn't running things. I think she's doing maybe a worse job than the president. But clearly there's a vacuum there. I, 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 and, and, and it's not just that we Republicans or we conservatives are um, wanting to make a political point over this. It's that there is no accountability on this rush into these policies that are going to be vastly dangerous. So Americans buy guns in record numbers over the last year because the Democrats are telling the police to def- to, to be defund are saying the police should be defunded. You have policemen resigning and taking early retirements, Andy, right? So people are buying guns in record numbers. So what does the administration do? Nothing for the police, but more taking yeah. away of guns. Yeah, I mean, this is a classic example again, of an authoritarian type of government. Right. And by just a quick comment on Kamala, sure. she is doing worse than, than President okay. uh, Biden. Fair enough. By, by long, Fair enough. long shot. Fair enough. Uh, but, but, but you're right. So this, this president uh, doesn't say, look, you know, maybe you should take care of your police force. Maybe you need to understand in order to have the rule of law, which is what has distinguished the American Republic for its long, its actually brief, History in, the, in in this in this world in the in the scheme of of the entire world civilizations this brief scheme of two hundred some odd years of 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 liberal uh, self governance it was the rule of law everybody's subject everybody's equal before the law and um, that was the ideal and um, I, I there have been times when I look at our history we weren't perfect there. And we needed to improve. And other times, I thought that's we're getting closer, right? And now, what you have is a, a, a scenario 
where there's two-tiered justice. And so people feel insecure by that. And so they're, they're buying weapons. They're buying ammunition where they there's can. A, there's a, there's a, at the same time that all this is happening, you know, none of us are very comfortable talking in these terms, but we do have to call things for what they are when we see them. At the same time going on, Andy, I'm reading these reports that you would have hoped the Washington Post and the New York Times would have been all over and are nowhere to be found having to do with um, these Americans that are being held um, in Washington, D.C. and environs over January 6th. And I was reading the story of a 78-year-old who still hasn't yet been charged with anything he's been in confinement since January 6th. This is an incredible abuse of power. It, it is. And, we're tr- and so we're trying to get to the bottom of this and find out uh, why. But, I mean, so we have Christopher Ray there. Oh, that's not my job. I mean, nobody wants to take ownership right. of this. That's right. And, and that's part of what the erosion of trust mm-hmm. in institutions that are necessary for a, a constitutional republic to go forward in a healthy manner. And so, uh, yeah, there's that. There's the, the news story out about there was there was some agents or subcontractors or informers or somebody involved, uh, but, uh, you know, federal government um, sources yep. that were involved in January 6th. You have that going on. And I mentioned that, I mentioned we, we, we need to get to the bottom of it. And immediately the left comes in and, and tries to, to paint me as a kook because I say, look, you know, there's this report. Well, maybe we should find out. These are the same people don't want to find out about audits. And yet, guess what? Most Americans think that we need to be auditing our elections. Andy, these are the sure same people that didn't want to investigate the Wuhan virology lab. Exactly. They, yes. And would censor you if you wanted to. <laughs> Yeah, that's sorry to laugh, but I, I, you know, it's either that or I can cry. No, that's exactly right. So let's talk about censorship for a second. We we had a twenty four hour hearing in judiciary for the last two days. So, um, and in there, there's this debate about are the big tech oligarchs censoring people? Right. And the and the other side says, well, they're they're not censoring you because because uh, you know censoring. That's that be a violation of the First right, Amendment, and that's right. can only be done by the state. Right. No, no, you can be censored. Yes, of course, you can by a private entity. Of course. The question is: is it is it violative of the of the Constitution? Number one, number two, it, um, it, are they acting on behalf or as a as a putative state type of uh, arm? And if so, then that would be a constitutional problem. They, you can't talk like that to them because they do not accept that. They're so grounded in a left-wing dogma that uh, it, it can be very, very difficult to try to have a conversation. Say, so, look, look, I'm willing to, to concede that I'm, I may be wrong on something, but are you wrong on anything, or is, does it matter? Or do you, if you are wrong on anything, does it matter at all? And, they, and it doesn't. To them, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Uh, the ideology is supreme, and the ends are uh, the mean. The means are justified by the ends. Here, it's been very clear. I just wonder, Andy, um, if all of this is reaching out to Americans that never really saw their government this way, or their government is potentially operating this way, and if, as opposed to what we warned them about in Jan- all of last year, as opposed to what we warned them about all of last year, if they're going to now see that we were right and this is a different kind of Democratic Party and give you a majority next November. 
But I would say um, here's what I think is happening. Uh, uh, normally, you have a wedge of people, well, probably 18% of voters, that are basically they, they're not paying any attention until right before the election. I, I think with inflation, I think with um, some schools still closing, with the fact that, that it's being revealed of the indoctrination in socialism that has been going on in public schools that you're seeing around the country, that parents are starting to wake up, individuals are starting to wake up. They're sensing that something's not quite right when you pay almost a buck a gallon more today than you paid in January. Right. Um, it, it, those types of things, and it's economic. It will always be economics that wake people up if, or lulls them to sleep. If the economics are good and individual economics are fine, they get lulled to sleep and say all is well, and they don't pay attention. If if you have a bad economic situation, and I'm talking about particularized individuals, right? Yep. All of a sudden, those people start paying attention. They say, why is my life harder than it usually is? They start looking around, and they realize, maybe it is some of the policies that are by these politicians. And they start they start looking, and they start getting aggravated. And that will wake them up, I believe, that that kind of awakening, not woke, but awakening to the wokeness of America, will help to uh, give us maybe a majority back in 2022. I hope so. Nicely put. We'll help you do anything you can to make that so, Andy. God bless you, sir. Thank you, Andy Biggs. Thank you. That Thanks, went fast. Sir. Boy, we covered yeah, a lot. It did. Don't wait so it long did. to come here and make us feel better. We can't, okay, we, well, can't, we can't let socialism run till Thursdays without an Andy Biggs check on it. All right. Well, let's, let's, do, it, <laughs> let's do it earlier, earlier right. in the week. Early in the week. <laughs> God bless you. I'll check in with Hilton on that. Andy Biggs, truly <laughs> bless you. you. Thank you for everything. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Okay, Bill, did you look up the 10 songs that were the top 10 from your graduating year in high school? Supposedly, this can help give you a um, a uh, theme to what your life is like. We have a listener named Michael who gave us his top 10 from 1976. Looks like a pretty good year. Silly Love Songs was number one. Wings. Don't Go Breaking My Heart, Elton John and Kiki D. Uh, Disco Lady, December by the Four Seasons. That's in our bumper. So is Silly Love Songs. Play That Funky Music, Kiss and Say Goodbye, Love Machine, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover, Love is Alive, and A Fifth of Beethoven. Not terrible. Not terrible. Bill, what were your top ten? I can figure out your life from this. I promise you. Well, number one, we have Cher. Mm-hmm. Believe. Mm -hmm. That explains a lot. Does it? It does. Go on. Number two, TLC, No Scrubs. Mm -hmm. Which uh, Michael Keaton uh, kept quoting that in The Other Guys, didn't he? That was a, a funny little part of that movie, I thought. In any event. Monica, Angel of Mine. Never heard of it. Okay. Heartbreak Hotel, Whitney Houston. Okay. Never heard of it because it's not a cover. Okay. Where do you stand, by the way, on reusing song titles that aren't covers? It's wrong. Like, oh, I made this song. It's called Heartbreak Hotel. Yeah, wrong. Yeah. That's wrong. Should, it should have been retired with the Elvis yeah. song. Oh, I wrote this song called Somewhere Over the Rainbow. 
Sure. Yeah, yeah exa- exactly. Yeah. Uh, Britney Spears, Baby One More Time. Yeah, she's back in the news. Okay. Yeah, yeah timely, isn't it? Yeah. This one kind of used in those uh, late 90s uh, teen rom-com movies, Sixpence None the Richer, Kiss Me. Mm-hmm. Christina Aguilera, Genie in a Bottle. Mm-hmm. No rock so far. Sugar Ray, Every Morning. Mm-hmm. Here's one I never heard of. Deborah Cox, Nobody's Supposed to Be Here. These are the nine. top 10? Yeah, the Billboard 100 year-end Hot 100 singles of... of and those are the top 10. Those are the top 10. There's one more. Yeah. You, you know this one. Ricky Martin, Live in La Vida Local. Sure, sure. So that does explain a lot of your life in in what you have protested against. Yeah. You know, a lot of people rebel, and they rebel in their teen years, and wow. they rebel in different ways. I was talking about this with a, a, a young person earlier today. One of the things I actually worry about, let me make a serious point about this, is, you know, you think of the movies about rebellion in the 50s um, and, you know, it was kids with the drive-ins and the music and cigarettes maybe and some beers and uh, maybe a little innocent gang stuff or less in, more innocent than it is today. 60s uh, was a lot of rebellion through political upheaval uh, and the beginning really of uh, drug use, I would say. You saw that carry into the 70s. In the in the in the in the 80s, it was um, it was music. In the 90s, it was health and a little bit of heroin um, and that kind of look. You know, there was this whole health movement that was flowering in the 90s, and you had these kids looking like heroin addicts, sallow, washed out, gothy, the grunge. Right. Thing. Yeah. There was this kind of rebellion. I. You know what I worry about it being today? I really do worry about it being today. Changing gender. You know, there's the, the, the reason I worry about it today is twofold. One is it's, 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 it's a now accessible kick to your family and friends that you can't engage in physically. And the other thing is I worry about the ideation of it. You know, there are these support groups. There are indeed more than support groups. There are clubs and other kinds of organizations where I do worry it uh, instigates and initiates the idea uh, for it to be a thing to do, a thing to do. And certainly there could be no greater rebellion towards parents or nature or God than that. I worry about that. We need a generation of kids that rebel against that and they're conservative. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. The prevailing culture, right, if that is. I was on this about four years ago when National Geographic had their January issue three or four years ago. I think four now. Re- remember their, their their cover issue of teens changing sex. And I said, this is a harbinger. This is a harbinger. And I did it on radio. I did it on national radio. So people said you were foolish. Just as I guess Bill Maher said Dennis Prager was foolish for talking about lies of the left he had never heard of. And now they're everywhere. And now they are everywhere. You know, you can't put genies back in the bottle once you smash the bottle. I'd like to talk about that when we come back. What does it mean to smash the cultural bottle? Be right back. Portions of this show brought to you by Cool Touch Air Conditioning right here in Arizona. I know this team very well. They service my house and friends and family. They are just a great company, the kind of small business 
you wish you could create if it didn't exist. That's Cool Touch Air Conditioning. Their customer service is particularly amazing in the sense of you have to experience it to know just how great it is. It's as if they know you um, after your first call. They take notes. They listen to what you need. Right now, Cool Touch is uh, promoting a new system they have. It's as if you had a dimmer switch on your AC unit that allows you to automatically use just the right percentage of air conditioning so you get the most comfortable living environment, the biggest savings on your utility bills without those continual surges needed that are the huge drags on your power with most systems. Cool Touch is also offering $2,000 rebate on this amazing system. Call my friends at Cool Touch for all your air conditioning needs at 623-734-1932 or visit them online at cooltouchac.com. As usual with Cool Touch, kick back and relax. They'll keep you cool. Cooltouchac.com for all your air conditioning needs. They do great plumbing work, too. If you need them for that, they're happy to help. Tell them I sent you. Great people. I was talking about how you, um, how, you, how it becomes increasingly difficult to put the genie back in the bottle when you smash the bottle. That is what is going on in this country, a national smashing of the bottle. You see it in the efforts to change our way of life with environmental and economic regulations. You certainly see it in what we are and are not allowed to speak about. You certainly see it also when it comes to what is going on in our nation's classrooms. I am amazed, blown away, that you have leftist writers and television hosts and commentators telling us that critical race theory is not a thing being taught in our schools even as those schools have websites talking about their critical race theory curricula. It's an odd thing. They're trying to deny that which they have foisted on us. You know why they're trying to deny it? Because you've seen the footage. You've seen the footage of these school board meetings, which I think is the greatest outbreak of democracy since probably the Tea Party, if not before that. This is real democracy. You've heard me talk about getting to the school boards and finding interest in running for school board. Well, the parents are finally there now. And what brought them there? What brought them there is a curriculum that they discovered is being used to teach their children that they need to categorize themselves by race. They need to invert the brown eyes, blue eyes experiment, which once taught that it was wrong to treat people differently because of immutable characteristics. In that case, eyes, as the teacher was trying to show, as a replacement for skin color. But what is the difference? What is the difference? Has anyone seen the boys from Brazil? What is the difference between eyes and skin when it comes to a fundamentally Third Reichian ideology that we are divided by matters racial? So when you smash that bottle where you give us no place to go back to, once you have designed a curricula that supplants the curricula of Western civilization, where do you go back to to teach it? If you want to understand, this is really the key of it all right here, what I'm about to tell you, okay? If you want to understand how hard it is to convince people of the value of free speech, haven't you noticed how hard that's become? It used to become it used to be free speech was just a default. We all agree with that. Of course we do. 
Sure, freedom of speech. Have it out. Let her rip. Argue it out. And then, you know, go vote. If you want to know why it's so hard to make the arguments on behalf of free speech, it's because we've been through a generation now of denigrating the value of the First Amendment. That's why. That's what I mean when I say you can't exactly put the genie back in the bottle when you've smashed the bottle. When we talk about the importance of rational argument, thinking, and debate, and speech, and you wonder why we're getting cold stares and people who have no value for that whatsoever and think we're, you know, kind of nuts for thinking that that's the way it should be. If you want to know where that <coughs> blank stare and attitude comes from, it comes from the very deliberate point that the left and postmodern world has engaged in for the last 40, 50 years and 30 in our curricula, denigrating those very Western nominative and normative values. So we're speaking a foreign language to 20-somethings when we tell them why we think free speech is important. It's basically a rudimentary education of a conversation. That bottle is smashed. We used to be able to say, because free speech, because the First Amendment. Now we need to say, why free speech and why First Amendment? That's a pretty uncomfortable place to be and a pretty hard one as well. I'm Seth, 602-508-0960. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Rob, our listener, he's playing the game. He wants me to explain his life based on the top ten songs from his high school graduation year. American Pie, Don McLean, Alone Again, Naturally, Lean On Me, School's Out, Ben by Michael Jackson, Garden Party, A Horse With No Name, Hold Your Head Up, First Time Ever I Saw Your Face, Brand New Key. Um, honorable mentions, the candy man, don't get hooked on me, brandy, heart of gold. Interesting thing about the first time ever I saw your face, the recording of that by Roberta Flack, if you want to test speaker system, there are audio files out there. I'm not one of them. I, I have no problem with it. Obviously I'm just, my ears aren't good enough to know good audio from bad, but there are real audio files out there. And uh, one of them invited me over to his house one night to uh, show me off, show off his new, his new, um, I guess it was a, a record system with all kinds of tubes. Did you ever have, do you remember your parents' record player have tubes, glass tubes? And there was this move, I guess, for a while, audiophiles will know what I'm talking about, where real LP records were kind of perceived as better sounding than CDs. And to show off that exact point, this friend of mine uh, played me in front of his new system the first time ever I saw your face, Roberta Flack. And the reason he did so, he said, if you listen to her phrasing in every little space that's going on, something's going on in there. It's really, if you have a great system, put that song on and listen to it. And you will hear things if you know what to listen for. You will hear things you don't hear with other songs. Rob, how can I explain your life based on these songs? Except um, except to say that uh, there's a lot of America in your year when you think about it. There's a lot of America. The song, American Pie, the band, America. And, 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 and I'm guessing that had to have a little bit, a little bit of an influence on you. Hold your head up. You went into the military. Lean on me. 
Good work. I think it's an American theme, year, year, 19. What would that have been? I'm guessing around 1971 or two, those songs look like. Um, I wanted to talk about something I did a monologue on a few weeks ago. And it's this question. You hear, you, 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 get, you get this sentiment really well from the ladies, with the exception of Megan McCain, with the ladies on The View. You get this, um, this perception really well that if, and, and you get it anywhere on MSNBC, just anywhere. And it's this notion that if the conservatives were to take over the country, of course they think we already have, right? But if the conservatives were to take over the country, we would live in a, you know, handmaiden's dystopia. That, that is what they think of us. They, they truly think we are, we are wanting to and ready to purge this nation into some kind of re-racialized, re-segregated uh, dystopia uh, with uh, you know, terrible economic consequences, terrible environmental consequences, <clears throat> and of course, don't you know, anti-science. That's what the left thinks of us. What is it the left actually does do when they're not thinking about us, though? That's the question that I'd like to move our conversation beyond. You know how we always like to say we don't want to keep responding to the left? We need to create our own narratives. It's hard when they create the narratives and have so much power. I do understand it. They set the national narrative every day, and we seem to be waking up asking, what are we fighting against today? What are we pushing back against today? And then we get people who say, why can't we set the narrative? Why do we always have to be playing on their turf? Let's create our own. And it's hard. It's hard because we don't have the dominant cultural – we don't have the dominant cultural institutions, right? We don't have the thing that's going to dictate what people – most people see when they turn on the, their TV or go out into the world or look at the headlines um, or read their newspaper. It's, we, we don't have those instrumentalities. Uh, so what 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 do we have? Well, we have this obviously, and, and we still have uh, our our own innate abilities to talk with friends and neighbors. But one of the things that I think is most important on this, one of the things that I think is most important, is this very issue of what it is conservatives do when they have power versus what leftists do when they have power. And just maybe sit back and think about it for a moment. What did we do when we had power? Did we make life worse for Americans or better? Did we make like economic conditions for uh, underrepresented minorities and women worse or better? What, what one thing can anyone tell us actually we made worse in the last four years of the Trump administration. Can you tell me one thing we made worse? Well, obviously, you're going to have a bunch of cynics that say uh, 500,000 plus people dead under Donald Trump's watch because of the coronavirus, to which I would tell you this, to which I will tell you this. I don't know when these numbers are going to be finally sussed out. I just don't know. But when you combine the kinds of things that you thought Joe Biden might do as president with the things that Donald Trump did, it turns out you have no idea what he would have done. 
He had no other alternative or other plan. You never heard it. The only thing you heard that contradicted Donald Trump's president, uh, excuse me, the presidency of Donald Trump's early response to COVID, the only criticism you really heard was about the travel bans. That was it, which might have been the most commonsensical of things. That was really the only thing you heard. Now, was messaging not great? Sure. Can I make excuses? Um, Can I make excuses to justify certain missteps here and there? Sure. I will tell you this, though, and I think I'm right when I say it. Donald Trump may have made some misstatements and had some missteps on the coronavirus, but I don't think he said anything about the coronavirus that was as self-contradictory or later found out to be untrue as many times as Anthony Fauci did. I think Anthony Fauci said many more things that turned out not to be true about the coronavirus than Donald Trump. One's the hero, one's the goat. You had a point about economics and debt that's worth making. They did make, the Republicans did make something worse and you were pointing out the debt. And that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Although I don't think they did it alone. I think you can blame them for adding to the debt. But you can't say that was an exclusively Republican problem. Is that fair enough? Fair enough. Fair enough. So what? So so you get an idea of what it is conservatives do when they're in power. You've had it. You've seen it. We're not with a novel coronavirus here, folks, anymore. We're with a novel Democratic Party in charge of Washington and the nation. It's a novel Democratic Party because it has never been this entrenched in the socialist effort. And when we come back, I'll tell you why. And how. Boy, if I could sing like that. I was discussing what um, what is there to fear from conservative governance? What is there to fear from liberal governance? Um, the radical right versus the radical left is one way to think about it. The Radicalization of the Republican Party is a new book Jackie claims from the L.A. Times has from the L.A. Times out. Brian Stelter, Stelter over at CNN recently say, said experts warn about the radicalizing power of right-wing media networks. Our friends over at Issues and Insights point out that every day the Democratic Party is pushing an agenda more radical than yesterday and more radical than anything they could possibly say about conservatives. It's an agenda comprised of critical race theory, defunding the police, open borders, socialism, nationalized health care, a federal takeover of elections, extremist environmentalism, packing the Supreme Court, killing the filibuster, the Green New Deal, cancel culture. That would be a great list for ads for Republicans next year. Had enough is the headline, question mark. That's an old one. Had enough, and then just put this list down. Critical race theory, defunding police, open borders, socialism, nationalized health care, a federal takeover of elections, extremist environmentalism, packing the Supreme Court, killing the filibuster, the Green New Deal, cancel culture. That would be a great, great billboard. 
It's not a small slice of the Democratic Party either that believes in these things. Poll after poll shows that those who identify with Democrats are really way out of the mainstream with where most Americans are when it comes to some of these things. Think about the critical race theory for a moment. The Biden administration is only the tip of the spear when it comes to attempts by the left (coughs) to shove this critical race theory Marxism down everyone's throat. The Biden administration is trying to bribe schools into adopting these curricula. How popular is it? An economist survey finds 58% of Americans who know about it view it unfavorably. Say it's bad for America, but among Democrats, 90% view it favorably and 85% say it's good for the country. (laughs) That's a disconnect. It's more than a disconnect. It's a chasm. It's more than a chasm, though. It's a canyon. It's a canyon. And it's our work to not let anyone forget this is what they are trying to cram down our throats. It's a pretty good list. Critical race theory, defunding police, open border socialism, nationalized health care, federal takeover of elections, extremist environmentalism, packing the court, killing the filibuster, the Green New Deal, cancel culture, let me add raising taxes... And we'll be right back.